Hello my lovelies and welcome back to another episode of Prime for Crime. I'm your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy this very special bonus episode. So today I'm going to be talking about the Uber driver shooter. On the night of February 20th, 2016, a series of random shootings took place across Kalamazoo County in Michigan, in which six people were killed and two others were injured. Now, this episode is rather special because I have a friend, actually, that lives in Kalamazoo, and I was speaking to him about a just about true crime and we came on to the topic of this case and I asked him if he'd heard about it because obviously he lives there and he was like oh yeah I knew him I was like sorry (laughs) he knew his family he knew this shooter and this killer firsthand and I was like oh my god like how scary and you know we chatted about it for a bit and I put forward the possibility of an interview sort of thing um, just to get a bit of insight from somebody who actually knew him and he was all up for it so within today's case I will be inserting clips from that interview so you can listen as well and obviously you can get first-hand insight from it I think it's really interesting So before we get into the case, I just want to state that everything I talk about today is information I have found online and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned. Today's episode also involves very brief mention of animal abuse, kind of the killing of an animal. So if this is something that you're not comfortable listening to, then please feel free to click out of this podcast. So let's begin. This is the Uber Driver Shooter. It was the night of February 20th, 2016, when a series of random shootings took place across Kalamazoo, Michigan, and eventually police detained 45-year-old Jason Brian Dalton, who was an Uber driver. So a little bit more background information about Dalton. So he was raised in Greenfield, Indiana, and went to school in nearby Charlottesville before attending Comstock High School in Kalamazoo, and he graduated in 1989. So in December 1992, he graduated from Kalamazoo Valley Community College with an associate degree in law enforcement, Although he chose not to enrol in the school police academy program, we're not entirely sure why, but that was his decision. And just three years after that, in 1995, Dalton married his wife Carol and they went on to have two children together and the family lived in nearby Cooper Township. Um, so personally, I was never that close with Jason. Uh, I knew him on a first name basis and I had attended the same school as his son. And uh, my brother was in the same grade as his sister, so Jason's daughter. Uh, And he lived, like, almost right behind me in my neighborhood. If you look out my back window and through this set of woods, you can pretty much see his house. Um, So I've ridden the bus with his kids all my my school career, and I knew of him for sure. Um, It wasn't until the year of the shooting I met him personally. Uh, We were at a dog training class that me and my family would attend. Uh, But other than that, I can't say that I knew him extremely personally. So Dalton was generally described as a nice guy and even a good family man, although it was reported that he had been acting a little bit depressed before the shootings. 
Um, well, my first impressions of Jason were that he was a little closed off. Uh, he seemed a little awkward in social situations and kind of timid. Uh, whenever him and his dog were used for an example uh, in class, he would kind of stumble over his words, like, and collect himself before responding. Um, seemed like a normal enough guy, but he was just, I would say he was just a little shy and reserved. Um, just pretty much a regular suburban dad for the most part. No major red flags to me. Uh, just some things I found a little odd. I wouldn't have classified him as a mass murderer based on these things at all, like by any means. Um, but I do remember him feeding his dog cheese from his mouth. And um, he would also speak to his dog in German, which I found a little odd, but, you know, not bizarre red flags or anything by any means. According to old friends of Dalton's, he had tried to get a job as a police officer in Michigan and even nearby states, but he wasn't able to and he just had no interest in moving far away to find a job in the police force. So instead he decided to study at an auto body shop in Wyotech in Wyoming and even found work at a BMW office in New Jersey at one point. So this in turn allowed him to get jobs as a mechanic and an insurance adjuster. And actually a former co-worker at an insurance company that he worked for recalls seeing Dalton kind of yelling down the phone to a customer before slamming down the phone and like pacing back and forth around his desk like in such an angry state, state of mind. And he'd previously been spoken to about his professionalism towards customers. I think actually in an interview, a customer reported an encounter with Dalton and they recalled um, that they'd called him back to re-examine a vehicle for damage that Dalton had missed on his appraisal. And I don't think Dalton was too happy about that because the customer described him as unprofessional, very angry and just not genuinely nice. So that's a little bit of background information on Jason Dalton, but now we are going to take a look into the actual shooting itself. Hours before the shootings, Dalton had visited three different gun stores with a friend, and at one of these shops he purchased a black jacket with pockets that was kind of designed to conceal a handgun. And the owner of the store had claimed that Dalton was, quote, in good spirits, end quote, during the time that he was in his shop. However, the friend who was with Dalton said that he was a little more quiet than usual during this trip. So it's known that Dalton was an occasional customer at that store, but he'd never actually purchased a firearm there. A little after 4pm on February 20th, 2016, Matt Mellon requested an Uber pickup to drive him over to his friend's house and the Uber driver that just so happened to pick him up that day was Jason Dalton. So Dalton had picked him up at 421 in a silver Chevrolet Equinox and during the drive Dalton received a phone call and after finishing this call he apparently started acting really crazy. In fact, at one point, he ended up driving onto the other side of the road into oncoming traffic, like drove through a medium strip and ignored stop signs, and even sidewiped another car, and all whilst, you know, just ignoring Matt's pleas to stop. He must have been so scared to think that, 
you're in that situation there's nothing that you could really do apart from maybe try and jump out of the door but with how fast he was probably going it probably wasn't even an option eventually though when dalton did manage to stop at a stop sign matt managed to jump out of the car and immediately called 911 and he gave the dispatcher all the information about Dalton's car, including the license plate number, and the dispatcher just put it out to be on the lookout, you know, notifications on the vehicle and stuff. And there were actually multiple calls to 911 by other people, but unfortunately all of these calls were ignored by the police. At 4.34, Dalton then returned to his home and called his wife 41 minutes later, asking for the keys to their other car, which was a Chevy HHR, and he wanted to swap the cars, and, you know, I'm not even sure if this is allowed by Uber, I don't know whether this car was also registered to Uber, but yeah, he wanted to swap the cars, possibly because... He knew that police were probably on the lookout for him because of how recklessly he was driving. So Dalton and his wife agreed to meet at his parents' house, which was approximately 10 miles away from where they were. However, on the drive there, Dalton accepted another pickup request at 5.15. And this is from a woman who wanted to be picked up, um, who wanted to, him to pick up her boyfriend, sorry, at um, an apartment complex, the Richland Township Apartment Complex. And this apartment complex would be the location of the first shooting. So at 5.42, this is when Dalton pulls into the parking lot of this apartment complex. And he saw a woman, so he drove up thinking it was maybe his Uber pickup. And according to the woman, she was confronted by him in his vehicle with his German Shepherd dog sitting in the back. And Dalton asked her if she was another person by a different name, to which the woman replied, no, she wasn't. So Dalton um, turned his car around and just started firing repeatedly at this innocent woman. However, thankfully, this poor woman survived and she said that she had been playing dead, so hopefully he would just stop shooting at her. And it was later found that approximately 15 rounds were fired. There were 10 shell casings recovered at the scene of the first shooting. And there was five children, including the woman's daughter, that were present at the scene. But luckily, they were unharmed. I mean, gosh. I think... um, I think I did read that she kind of used herself as a a bit of a shield and she protected those children with her own life and oh my god, I mean what an amazing woman that woman is. Investigators believe that Dalton's request for an Uber ride at the apartment complex had become botched in some sort of way. So the woman who requested the ride texted Dalton moments after the initial request with a correction of the address, which would have led him to another location, but in the same area. And she later attempted to call him to follow up, you know, that he had the right address and he was on his way, you know, to make sure that he'd got it and wasn't going in the complete wrong direction. But he didn't respond to this. And a witness later reported seeing an Equinox driving aggressively towards the apartment, at one point even cutting him off at a southbound curve, risking a head-on collision. 
This witness later recognised Dalton on the news as that exact same driver. At 6.05, approximately 25 minutes after the first shooting had occurred, Dalton called the woman from the Uber request saying that he hadn't responded to her text and that he just couldn't do the ride anymore. He couldn't come and get her because, quote, something had come up, end quote. Dalton was seen one minute after the shooting driving through a red light at an intersection about one mile away from the crime scene and he actually struck another vehicle and sped away from the scene leaving the other driver to call 911 to report the crash. He's just so reckless, oh my god. Um, But at the same time as this, a neighbour found the injured woman who had been shot at and she was soon treated by responding emergency personnel, thank God. So, I mean, that's already so crazy. It's already kicking off and unfortunately there is so much more to come. So eventually Dalton made it to his parents' house where he met his wife and his children and the car he was driving had very clearly been damaged, so what did he tell his wife? I mean, he kind of said something, but obviously not the whole truth. So he told his wife that the car had been sidewiped by a disgruntled taxi driver in a Chevrolet Impala who had fired a gunshot at him due to rage at having his business taken away by Uber. I mean, right, okay Dalton. So he assured his wife that he had called Uber and they were handling the incident. And as well as this, he provided his wife with a 9mm Taurus handgun and told her that it was not safe to be at the house without it and instructed her to not go to work and not take the children to school, which is a little bit suspicious if you ask me. So he then attempted to take the Hummer H3, but the engine wouldn't start, so instead he opted for the black Chevrolet HHR that his wife had been driving. And as he started to drive away, he apparently told his wife that he could not tell her what was going on, but that she would see it on the news. After leaving, Dalton made a stop at an ATM at 6.44, then carried on driving for another 35 minutes, and he apparently returned to his house and switched handguns, which, I mean, to me, that kind of does seem like it's premeditated if he's purposefully gone home to switch guns. He obviously had a plan, he obviously knew what he was doing. Um, So he left again at 7.37 and continued to accept Uber requests, which he carried out without any bother. Like, none of the passengers noted anything unusual or alarming about him. I mean, imagine that, like, being one of those passengers and not knowing that he was responsible for this. It could have been them. It could have been them and they had no idea. So later that night at 8.26, Dalton called his wife and told her not to call her parents, which was a little unusual. At 10.01, Dalton arrived at a Kia dealership and according to a witness, Dalton parked his car and approached her boyfriend and his dad at 10.05. He apparently asked them what they were looking at, but before they could even respond, He fired approximately 18 rounds, I mean, fatally striking both of these men, which is, I mean, overkill. 18 rounds. 
and across the street at a Burger King parking lot, another witness recorded the shooter, Dalton, fleeing the scene whilst another person called 911. So about 10 minutes after this, just 10 minutes, there was a third shooting and this shooting took place outside a Cracker Barrel restaurant in Texas Township and it's roughly about five miles from where the Kia dealership was. So four people were seated inside two vehicles and they were very sadly killed and another person was wounded. Dalton reportedly approached one victim inside a white van and asked her a question before point blank shooting her and shooting into an adjacent vehicle that contained the other victims. And all of this literally happened in the space of one minute. And just like the other shootings, Dalton fled immediately. And this is when he was alleged to have returned home again to reload his guns. Whilst officers were responding to the scene at the Kia dealership, they soon heard reports of gunfire at the Cracker Barrel. And this is when they kind of quickly realised that there might be a bigger problem here. It wasn't just one shooting, it wasn't just two they kind of realised, okay, there might actually be a mobile active shooter. So they spoke to the witnesses who were at the scene and they kind of learned that the gunman they were looking for was driving a dark coloured Chevrolet HHR, which was, of course, Dalton's car. And this was also backed up by looking at newly installed security footage from the Kia dealership. So police immediately put out a description of the gunman over the radio, soon followed by Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety by issuing a statement to the public on their Facebook page, warning residents to be on the lookout for the shooter and his vehicle. Uh, So I found out about the shooting from Facebook first. Uh, There were a lot of my friends sharing statuses about it, uh, but Kalamazoo... You know, it really isn't the safest place, so it struck me as like a stray shooting that was related to maybe drugs or gang violence or something like that. And uh, I'd fallen asleep, and the next morning I turned over my phone and my mom sends me a text, had sent me a text along the lines of, uh, Jason, Mia's owner, was responsible for the shootings last night. At that point, I had no clue of the extent of the shooting. I just remember hearing about the one last night started researching i had seen everything every news article and i it was it was pretty mind-boggling mind-boggling um that you know no more than two months earlier i was in a stranger's barn in the middle of nowhere with this man training dogs a number of traffic stops were made of vehicles that matched the description of dalton's car or as they knew at the time the shooter's car and um, But this was hard because as this was going on, there were multiple reports of gunfire in several locations, including the Western Michigan University campus. I mean, these were reports that, that were investigated, but they ended up being like fake prank calls, which I just find awful. Like it, it's really wasting police time, especially if there is an active shooter that they are trying to hunt down and locate. It's just kind of setting them back like by the time they get to where he could be he could have been gone you know he's got his car he could be far gone so that's really difficult so the police continued the hunt for the shooter and the vehicle and Dalton reportedly just continued to accept uber requests you know just 
carried on working and picking up people. And I'm not quite sure why he did this. Maybe to kind of secure some sort of alibi. I mean, because if you think about it, the shootings that he did, they literally lasted minutes. Literally no time at all. So as far as maybe Uber was aware, he was still driving to pick up somebody. At 12.04am, he picked up three people and dropped them off at a dormitory on the university campus. And the passengers later recalled that their driver wasn't overly friendly, but again, did nothing to alarm them. They obviously weren't aware of how dangerous this person was. And then later, at 12 minutes past, he picked up four more people and drove them to their hotel. During the ride, one passenger who had actually heard reports of the shooting spree jokingly asked Dalton if he was the shooter and he replied no, he wasn't. And a few minutes later again he picked up three more people and just like the passengers before, they asked if he was the shooter and he denied this. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like, imagine if he just turned around and was like, yeah, it's me. Like, I'd be shit in my pants. I mean, obviously, they didn't know. They just didn't know. And, you know, having a joke around with him, that could have turned very serious very quickly. So I remember my mom saying um, a couple months after the shooting. So at the time of the shooting, I think we'd been done with dog training for a month or two. And one day, randomly, she says to me, you know, we were uh, in the middle of nowhere in a barn with this man. Um, it, it could have just as easily been us. And I I literally will never forget that. It sent goosebumps, like, up and down my spine. That was something I had not even considered. At 12.36, a police sergeant with the Kalamazoo County Sheriff's Office saw Dalton dropping off these three passengers. And he must have had some sort of suspicion. I mean, obviously, it's the car that they're looking for, but they'd stopped loads of these cars. So this officer just thought, you know what, something's not quite right. I'm going to follow him. And he requested backup as well. So another officer joined him and the two decided to conduct a casual traffic stop at 12.40. But when more officers arrived, the first two pulled Dalton out of his vehicle and immediately arrested him. And at the time of the arrest, Dalton was actually wearing the jacket that he'd purchased from the gun store, along with a bulletproof vest. And when asked why he was wearing this, he told the police that he had bought the vest for his son, who was an explorer for the Kalamazoo County Sheriff's Office. But upon further inspection, they found the handgun at the back of his waistband. But I mean, again, why would, even if it was for his son, why would he be wearing that? It kind of seems a little bit weird to me. And definitely like it was all premeditated if he was specifically wearing a bulletproof vest. After Dalton was arrested, he confessed to committing the shootings, surprisingly, But what was his reason for doing this? Well, he blamed his actions on his Uber mobile app. Yet he said the reason he shot 
all of those innocent people was because of the Uber app itself, and he claimed that its symbol resembled that of the Order of the Eastern Star, and that it took over his body during the events after he pressed the button of the new app resembling the devil. And when it suddenly popped up, he, yeah, it took over his body apparently. But he later stated that he was no longer experiencing these problems and police indicated that he had no known criminal history or mental health records. So what made him do it? Like seriously, what made this person go from just being a normal kind of guy to deciding to shoot up a load of people? During his first interview, he asked if he could call his wife, but as soon as she came on the phone, he just ended it. He didn't speak to her at all. He stated that he would just wanted to hear her voice, and he later explains that he wasn't sure what he had done or hadn't done, and he was afraid that he might have killed his family. Which, I don't know, I just find it so hard to believe. I mean, the fact that he was wearing a bulletproof vest, the fact that he had gone to the gun store and purchased a gun, and the fact that he went home to obviously keep changing his gun and getting more rounds, and the fact that he swapped cars, it all just seems a little bit too premeditated for my liking. For the most part, during the interviews that night, Dalton appeared just emotionless, like he just didn't really seem like he knew what happened. But there is one moment recorded in the police report that I do find very eerie and maybe a little bit sad in a different sort of way. So in between sessions with different officers, so obviously he'd have one officer sitting with him and then after a certain amount of time they would swap out and he would be left alone for a very short amount of time. So during this short break when Dalton was left alone, um, he was still being filmed and I'm not sure if he knew this or not, um, but he could be heard speaking out loud to himself and the police officers believe that they hear him say, quote, sorry to you, my love, end quote. So police believe that none of the victims at the separate scenes were connected in any way and all in all, at least 30 rounds had been fired during the shootings, which is a lot. A 9mm Walther P99 semi-automatic handgun with an extended magazine was recovered from inside Dalton's car, and police believe that this um, P99 was used during the last two shootings, whereas a 9mm Glock 29 semi-automatic handgun was used in the first shooting. So Dalton apparently switched guns after the Glock had malfunctioned whilst firing. However, there were some other items recovered. In fact, there was another 15 firearms in his home, and this included 11 long guns and four more handguns, which is, to me, very crazy. I don't understand it. And um, it's also known that he purchased the Glock from a another township gun store on June 12, 2015, and purchased the Walther from the same store later that year. However, he did not have a license to carry a concealed weapon. 
On February 22nd, 2016, Dalton was arraigned on 16 different charges, including six counts of murder, eight counts of assault with the intent to commit murder, and eight counts of using a firearm during the commission of a felony. And he was told to come back to court on the 10th of March for a preliminary examination hearing. On March the 3rd, he was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation to determine his competence to stand trial. And when he returned to court on April 22nd, it was ruled by the Michigan Centre for Forensic Psychiatry that he was definitely competent to stand trial. Dalton went to court on May 20th for a preliminary hearing, but this time to determine if there was enough evidence to try him on all these charges. And during this hearing, Dalton made verbal outbursts and interrupted the first victim that was attacked in the shootings whilst she was testifying, absolutely bless her. And he just kind of was shouting these random things like they didn't even make sense and it caused this poor victim to cry and it forced um recess to be called and Dalton was restrained and removed from the courtroom by sheriff deputies and when the hearing resumed later the day he instead of being in the courtroom he was instead participating via a kind of by video from jail So he didn't actually get to be in the room after that little outburst. He had to be somewhere else and do it another way. When the trial started, I didn't really follow. Um, I don't think too many others did in the area either. I feel like people kind of just want to put it behind them and begin the healing process. Um, I did catch a couple clips of him having like a freak out in court. And uh, it was actually my old babysitter's husband who was the one to restrain him and take take him out of the courtroom, which was pretty nuts to see. A few weeks later, a new peculiar detail emerged. And if it's true, it's almost a cliche serial killer kind of red flag, if you will. So somebody told the police that Dalton had once talked about choking and killing the family cat to then leave it on the bed that he shared with his wife and his wife was actually asked about this and she confirmed that six or seven years ago she had found the cat Leo dead on their bed but at the time she just assumed that it had been natural causes but now this has come out could Dalton have really killed his own cat I mean if he did I I kind of guess that would maybe make him make sense a little more as to why he's done this because obviously most killers like this they they do tend to start with animals um but that's crazy that she didn't even think that it could have been him on June 6th following a pre-trial conference Dalton's attorneys announced their plans to present a legal insanity defence. So he underwent another psychiatric evaluation and this process was carried out over the next 60 days. So his trial was expected to start in late September or maybe early October, but when the time came to it, it just kept getting postponed over and over again until January 7th, 2019, 
when Dalton finally pleaded guilty to all counts against him. And on February 5th, Dalton was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and is currently imprisoned in the Oaks Correctional Facility. So following the shootings, there were obviously a lot of reactions in the media and in the community, especially calling for Uber to improve its background check system. And Joe Sullivan, Uber's chief security officer, released a statement reading, quote, We are horrified and heartbroken at the senseless violence in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Our hearts and prayers are with the families of the victims of this devastating crime and those recovering from injuries. We have reached out to the police to help with their investigation in any way that we can, end quote. Uh, I do remember Uber releasing some sort of statement. I don't remember specifically what they said. Um, I, I don't think there was much they could have done, honestly. You know, he, he claimed the devil told him to do it, that it was an evil app and stuff like that. And he had switched cars. So I I really don't think there was much they could have done to, to help, really. There was also, as you can imagine, a huge public outcry when it was revealed that there were no active shooter alerts that were sent out to Kalamazoo residents and students at the Western Michigan University. So an editorial calling for an emergency alert system for high-profile incidents was published by Michigan Live six days after the shooting. As far as the um, alert from Western in the city of Kalamazoo, it was pretty upsetting that I had to find out about it from Facebook statuses. Um, You know, granted, he had, like, changed cars, and no one really knew what was going on. But I feel like absolutely any any sort of uh, alert would have helped possibly save someone's life. Uh, And I'm even pretty sure after this that Michigan passed um, some sort of legislation to provide alerts about things like this. Also that March, there was legislation for statewide warning systems to be introduced, which would disseminate information on an active shooter situation or other emergency to kind of help protect residents. And it involved local law enforcement agencies sending the information to the Michigan State Police, which was then responsible for sending text messages or warning using geolocation technology, which is very similar to the Amber Alert system. But even still, everybody just wants a reason. Of course they do. Maybe more information will surface, maybe medically or situational, biographical, I don't know, just anything that could help people to understand why he did this. Why did this happen? How can this seemingly normal guy just wake up one day and decide, you know what, this is what I'm going to do when this is how I'm going to do it? Because it doesn't sit right with me and, you know, all we do know is that on each of the first God knows how many days of his life, Jason Dalton killed nobody and then the next day he killed six people and injured so many others. It really does just, it's confusing. It is very confusing and I can only imagine what his family are going through. Of course the victims' families, of course, but his own family, I mean, 
how imagine finding out that your dad your normal dad has just gone and done something like this to innocent people it i couldn't even imagine it so in the immediate aftermath i was taking driver's training and um i was actually partners with his son right so the next day the day after the shooting we were supposed to be driving he's my partner and i'm not sure if he's gonna show up i'm not sure if the family is even alive and you know he shows up and my mouth almost hits the ground um but my heart truly does go out to all the victims and families affected by this people who had their lives changed forever at the hands of this man and I've purposefully not named the victims in this case out of respect as you know it happened pretty recently I mean even though you can find names on the internet I just wouldn't want to cause any of the victims or the victims family any more pain or hurt did definitely shape perception on how fragile life is um you know all of these people were just living their lives you know they were getting dinner they were looking at cars they were at the playground with their children and then you know this happens um you know shootings are by no means rare here but i've definitely found myself coming up with like escape scenarios since you know having this one hit so close to home the community came together and huge ways you know we were all just there for each other um i remember one of the victims ended up on national tv i think it was a steve harvey show and i feel like people seeing her manage to be so strong and courageous was a ginormous help in the uh healing process and really pushed people forward to get past this And that does conclude today's episode, so thank you very much for listening and a huge massive thanks to Grant all the way in Kalamazoo. We literally sat and spoke for about two hours, so I've not managed to put everything into today's episode, but I think there is quite a good insight into him. I mean, to think that you can be so close to people and not know the true intentions is just terrifying like that quite could have easily been somebody it could have been him it could have been his mum you just never know so you know you've just got to stay vigilant and if something doesn't seem right then do not be afraid to say something because you know being nice isn't always going to people's intentions aren't always good I'm just going to put it that way And again, my heart just go out to all the families, the victims, everybody involved in this case. I cannot imagine how traumatising this must be. Um, But yeah, that that is all for today. Um, So I hope you have a lovely Halloween. Um, But if in the meantime, if you want some more true crime, then you can head over to the Primed for Crime TikTok, where I post small snippets of cases daily. It's nice to interact with everybody, see what you like and see what you're not. And yeah, so please stay safe, especially on Halloween. Please be vigilant and I will see you for the next episode. See you later.